This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that supporting your health can be as easy as taking two capsules a day? Each daily dose of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is formulated with 24 scientifically studied probiotic strains that support gut, skin, and heart health, helping you start the new year off right. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Today on CityCast Boise... Since the first Pride in the Treasure Valley, there's always been this thread of hope that life was improving for LGBTQ people. But the last few years have been really difficult for our queer community. Hey Boise newsletter editor Blake Hunter and comedian Sophie Hughes are with me to tackle the question, is our city actually safe for queer people? It's Thursday, September 7th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hi, Blake. Hi, Sophie. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Hey, Emma. So let's just start by having you both share your personal experience uh, being queer in Boise. Sophie, why don't you start us off? Oh, boy. That's a <laughs> that's a tough one. It's been a lot of ups and downs. There was a time where uh, when I started first to transition in Boise, um, things seemed like they were making a big improvement. This would be like 2007. Uh, everything after... I, I hate to get immediately political, but I, I have to. It's just, it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, everything after Donald Trump came onto the scene, things have gotten significantly worse, at least for trans people. There was a time where it didn't feel like it was an issue. And I kept thinking to myself, why did I wait all this time? You know, I thought this was going to be so hard. And then, it, and then it, it had problems, sure, but it wasn't as hard as I had expected it to. And uh, if I had to make that decision again today to transition, I'm, I'm not sure if I would have made the same one, at least not here. Like, do you have a similar experience with that? Um, I mean, so I only moved to Boise in 2018. I grew up in like rural southern Idaho, super small town. So I just didn't grow up with much exposure to queer people. So when I moved here, I was just like, oh, my God, just like this open community like you see an occasional pride flag and like I don't know I was just very much in my baby gay phase when I moved here um and then immediately started working in journalism and trying to go to school and kind of like just like learning about the world uh yeah I would agree with Sophie that changed very very quickly uh along that timeline being queer in Idaho you kind of have to grow up fast yeah Sophie, um, you and I have, you're a comedian. You're an incredible, mm-hmm. hilarious, amazing comedian. And uh, I know from to, from touring with you and doing shows with you in Boise, we, uh, I know you've experienced discrimination and harassment pretty regularly based around your identity. But how in general do you handle these situations? Because I, I will say, I, I have always thought you handled it with such compassion and empathy for other people. Uh, it's It's pretty incredible to watch, honestly. Thank you. I've been struggling with this particular issue a bit myself the last couple of years. I always wanted to be this kind of uh, ambassador of some sort. I knew that a lot of people hadn't met a trans person before, and especially one that's very obvious and visible. And uh, I wanted to be like, give them the benefit of the doubt and be kind. So my way of normally handling it was uh, through humor, because that's my major skill set and my major coping mechanism. <laughs> so I would try to you know, be, be funny and kind or, or just um, be a person. 
and let them realize that I'm like a human being with feelings and someone who, who loves them. And I try to do that in my comedy a lot too, where I'll, I'll self-deprecate for a minute and then start sneaking in these like, <laughs> but also I'm just like you sort of points. And it worked. But lately I've been feeling like I don't want to do that emotional labor for people anymore. It does take a toll. It's, it's work. And um, I'm just trying to find that middle ground of not responding to it with hostility and anger, but also not bending over backwards to accommodate. Yeah. And I mean, Sophie, I have watched you use the bathroom in Fairfield, Idaho. And for people sure. who can't see you right now, you're pretty out, right? Yeah, well, like, I'm very you're out. a six foot four trans woman. I mean, you stick out six a little. Two, but I wear boots. Yeah, oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you I'm shrinking. <laughs> But still, like, I feel like, Blake, you can probably relate to, you know, feeling like Boise is this much bigger, more accepting city. Uh, but I know you've faced the kind of similar stuff here. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I want to talk about here. Primarily, one is uh, cis gay men and particularly white cis gay men. I feel like it's really difficult to have a conversation about, like, the LGBTQ community, like, I'm kind of putting that in air quotes just because there's just so much gradation between, you know, different identities and different groups of people within that larger umbrella. And I mean, it, it, talking about like harassment that I personally have experienced, like, you know, I occasionally like get the F slur out of like a truck window kind of vibe, just kind of like when you never expect it. But that's just kind of like, I, I don't, I, that like, it doesn't bother me that much unless I genuinely feel unsafe. But the times that I've mostly felt unsafe has been with um, un unsafe and particularly just like not seen and not understood is with like white cis gay men, to be honest. And I think that's because I largely present as one uh, or like people, that's kind of how people understand me. Um, but again, I'm kind of having going through the same thing uh, a little bit, as you're explaining, Sophie, of kind of deciding how much I want to like put myself out there a little bit. And so I kind of have like a, we have a budget of like three, three like gender variant or feminine things that I can be, uh, have on my body at all times. And I kind of have to like keep it limited because, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm not, yeah, I'm not ready to fight like people who think that we are the same every day. Mm -hmm. And also this kind of I think back to like 2015 and Time Magazine's like turning point for Trans America cover. Post that, like right after that, there was this research that came out that showed like how important it was to just have honest conversations about trans identities and trans politics with people. And it showed, there, this study found that, um, you know, just having an honest conversation with someone for like five minutes durably changed their behaviors and their perspectives. And a f kind of follow-up research done on that about four years later found that that has decreased significantly because people are more staunch. Uh, you know, transphobia has just become such a lightning rod. Uh, and Idaho is truly ground zero for that. Yeah. yeah and not an accident, right? I think you both no. can speak to that. Not an accident. Uh in 2015, it seemed like uh, things were getting better. Uh, Far-right groups, Christian nationalist groups panicked and decided this is it. This is our yeah. battleground. We're going to start with trans people and build from there. And Definitely. it has worked. And it's yeah. worked. It's worked. Which has been, you know, I've lived in Boise a long time. Sophie, I know you uh, born and raised in Boise. Yep. 
And I, you know, I want to have this question be, how has the city's LGBTQ community, like, how has it gotten better for for people over the years in terms of safety and acceptance? But I think I think we're all on the same page that there's been a huge decline. And do you think that that's fair, Sophie? Absolutely. It's gotten much worse. Um, personally, I've been attacked twice in Boise. Uh, it all happened after 2016. There was a time before that that I didn't think anything like that could happen, at least not in in Boise, especially like in a very visible downtown setting. Both of these incidents were people who just wanted to hurt a trans person, and I am extremely visible and um, really made me consider like leaving this place. And, uh, and, and I still do. Um, there are times where I get upset. And I think I don't want to like retreat or, or let somebody win. You know, I love this town. My family's here and my friends, but also I couldn't say that it's safe, uh, at least from my experience as a trans person, I wouldn't call it safe. As somebody who knows you very well and has known you for a very long time, uh, I watched over the course of the pandemic, things become more and more difficult for you uh, as sort of we watched an element in our city lose their minds completely. Uh, And downtown, which has always felt like a fairly safe place for queer people, um, we had uh, in your neighborhood, around your block, just constant trucks driving in a circle with uh, Trump flags, with hateful messages, with anti-trans messages, you know, um, driving in a circle and, you know, ostensibly there to protest the mask mandate, uh, but really just kind of there to protest Boise being an open, inclusive place in a lot of ways. And I watched um, you go from being somebody who walked home from work all the time, who, you know, you were pretty much out doing comedy all the time, really retreat in a very real mental health way. Do you, you know, do you feel comfortable talking about that at all? Absolutely. So a week and a half before the lockdown happened uh, for COVID was the last time I got beat up. And Mm. it was, it was very intentional. Somebody had catfished me on a dating app Mm. and they weren't who they said they were. And they wanted to just beat up a trans person. And when I met them, they were with a friend. And, you know, it was this parking lot just um, behind Mulligan's downtown. It was like a block away from my house. And I got beat up really, really badly in the daylight. And that's when I was like, I I can't go anywhere anymore. And then the the pandemic happened, the lockdown happened. And it was just the perfect excuse to retreat and never come out again. It's, It's been a struggle. Like last three years have been me kind of coping with forgiving myself for not reporting it because I felt terrible about it, but I just wanted to ignore it and be done with it. And, uh, and just, and just recovering to the point where I can go outside, which took me two years. I mean, I, there was a period of time during the, the pandemic. I didn't leave my house to get the mail, to take out the trash, like six months or longer without stepping foot outside my apartment. And uh, I can, I can go out and I can, I have a job and I'm active again, but uh, I feel hyper vigilant. And I, I know that Boise is part of it. I feel like it would happen other places as well, but I definitely don't feel safe here. Yes. Oh my God. Um, you know, it makes me think of, we recently had the, um, the hate crimes that were committed around town. Uh, the, the man who burned pride flags, he tried to run over a lesbian couple. He was recently, you know, convicted, but it make you, you saying kind of beating yourself up a little bit about, uh, not reporting it, 
makes me think of the relationship between law enforcement and the LGBTQ community in Boise. Do both this is for both of you. Do you think BPD is trained to address the needs and concerns of LGBTQ individuals? Um, I forget what the exact position title is, but I think that BPD has a position specifically geared towards kind of being like an LGBTQ community liaison. Um, literally whatever that means. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, who knows? <laughs> but rank and file, I mean, like, well, it makes me think of, like, I don't know, like Idaho's current abortion laws where um, you have to be able to report, uh, like, you have to be able to get a police report back from police in just a few weeks uh, if you think that you're pregnant and, like, that kind of situation. Like, it's, it is designed to make, to put you in a, a a horrible position and same with just like reporting a hate crime like uh i mean add the words has been a conversation in idaho for you know decades um and it's still not a hate crime to you know discriminate in in so many different ways but as far as like uh yeah i mean i've like i've experienced harassment or discrimination and watched other queer and trans people experience that in front of bpd officers and so like I understand that people feel very convicted about their positions on police, but it's hard to explain the extent to which going to police is literally just not an option in my book. Like, it just doesn't make it. It's not in there for me. I also haven't experienced like the level of violence that you're discussing, Sophie. And so I don't know. In that case, I I'm sure that I would think about it. I'm sure that I would spend time thinking about it. But ultimately, I don't think that I would report it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I certainly don't have um a trust in the system right now just watching like yeah i mean just nationwide just how police have responded um to queer and trans violence um i don't yeah i wouldn't trust that yeah my my first instinct regardless is to not involve the police i just feel like they escalate the situation i worked at i've worked in several bars downtown so i've had to deal with the police quite a bit and one of the one of the first questions I'm always asked when there's some sort of a conflict between me and them, even if it's like this person is bothering us at work, is if we're in some sort of a relationship, <laughs> which I'm not sure if wow. that's just standard practice or if, <laughs> but but it's Oof. it's always like so. What is this? Is this like is this like some kind of like gay thing? Is this like a gay relationship thing? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's just, like, no, this is just a drug. No, I, work at a bar. To leave the bar. I work at a bar. Um, wow. Now, my particular reason for not reporting uh, the attack that happened to me uh, wasn't a, about necessarily like the safety I felt with the police. It was it was more like the hide your head in the sand thing. I was so embarrassed about letting myself be in that position. Normally, I never meet anybody in a non-public place, like immediate, like in a bar or a restaurant. I was just embarrassed and, and hurt and just wanted to like hide, you know, and mm. then, and then too much time had passed. I thought, you know, it had been several weeks and I didn't know what to do. And I just felt ashamed of the whole situation. Had I had my head on more straight about me at the time, I think I would have reported just because I don't want them to hurt somebody else. Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't generally trust the, the police. And I would say that that extends beyond for me at least, beyond queer issues. <laughs> just in general, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. don't find them yeah. to be that helpful. Yeah, same page, I think, all of th us three on that uh, from our personal experience. Um, mm -hmm. 
It makes me think, you know, I know a lot of LGBTQ people who are believe that you're kind of on your own, that you can't really. I've had this conversation with people over the years that like you not only can you not rely on the cops, but you can't rely on the straight community to have your back, to support you, to keep you safe, and that you have to sort of insularly uh, actively support and provide safe spaces within that within your community. Yeah, I think that like. There's a real underground element, not actually underground, but it's very much just like community centers have moved to living rooms and like, you know, internal spaces that unfortunately just inherently exclude a lot of people. Like I think about like if I was moving to Boise now as like a young queer person, um, I don't know, like I found it very difficult to find and make queer and trans community here in Boise, but I would, I think I would find it much more difficult now because so many people have retreated and like, you know, um, put up defenses around them that are necessary. Like I, I have done the same. And so I, uh, yeah, I want to make clear that I'm like, I'm not blaming anybody for that, but I think that it inherently kind of adds a lot of barriers. Um, but it, that is where the care is happening is like, you have to, yeah, kind of construct family um, and take care of each other that way as best you can. But it, it looks different for everybody. Yeah, I think that's extremely accurate. I um, I used to be very like out at uh, at venues, even you know, uh, regular like not just gay bars, like any bar uh, and comedy clubs, and just out part of the community. And I really feel like I haven't been when when people see me who haven't seen me in years, they're just like blown away. They didn't even know I like lived here anymore because I have retreated to my own small space, my own small group. And uh, I couldn't imagine if if I was out there trying to find other queer people, I'm not really sure. And beyond even even if they are out there, I feel like the flag is is not flown quite as high anymore. Yeah, I think that's so true. And, you know, I I grew up in a queer household. My aunt and her wife lived with us in the 90s. This is early 90s. Like, they were not out. Our house was kind of like, you know, people coming in and out a lot of times, trans people, queer people. You know, we had a sweat lodge in the backyard type thing. Like, we had a really cool very inclusive household. And um, some of those people were out. Some were very not out. You know, this is very conservative Idaho in the 90s. Over the course of the next 10 years, 10 to 15 years, like my aunt and her wife came out and came out at work, came out very publicly. And also a lot of the other queer people in my life started to feel a lot more comfortable. And these are people in their 60s, a lot of them, 50s and 60s, they've expressed that in the last few years, they've started to kind of go back in. I know someone who's being harassed by their neighbor right now, and they had gotten along with their neighborhood in Southeast Boise for years. They got along with everybody really well, and they were close to their neighbors. And then slowly, like the demographics started to change, people selling and different people moving in. and, And they're like, retreating and thinking about moving and they're like yeah we took our pride flag down like we just felt mm. scared we felt afraid um and i i just think yeah there i think you're both right there's been a real a real shift even for somebody like me who is you know pansexual bisexual and can be not out whenever i feel like it cuz i'm married to a dude you know um even i have started to be a little careful who i tell yeah. that i'm bisexual just because it's it's not that used to be like a nothing, you know, being a bisexual white woman was like, nobody's harassing you. You're actually fine. Uh, but it's like even that has become a little bit shifty. Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to 
the rhetoric around Boise being a blue dot in a red sea, which just like, uh, it, it kind of makes me cringe now. I, I think that like a few years ago, I really engaged with that kind of rhetoric and idea in a different way. But now I'm honestly just like, I understand that like electorally it does look like that. But, you know, I think we, a lot of people blame uh, people from outside of Boise coming downtown and like driving around in their trucks and that kind of thing. But um, it's here too. Like it's, I don't know, I just have a really hard time when people try to kind of point at that and be like, well, don't you feel comfortable because you're living in Boise? It's blue. Uh, and yes, Idaho's red, but um, it's just, it's so much more complicated than that. Yeah, absolutely. If you didn't live here already, would you move here? No. No. I'm, my family's from here and like this is where I'm from. So um, I'm, I'm kind of in the same position, Sophie. Like I don't want to move away because I'm trying here. Like I'm trying to make this work. And um, but yeah, when I think about it, like, yeah, why would I move here? There's there's no reason. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Um, I have a, I have a younger sister here who I'm like extremely close with. And uh, and and my dad and I who have a very good relationship. And I just um, I don't want to be away from them. If it wasn't for those people, I, I'd leave. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I'd leave right away. I just want to be somewhere where, like, when I am certain places that are safe. I, I remember I think I was on on tour and we were in Seattle, and I remember it was the first time in a, a long time that I hadn't felt like a spectacle of some sort, yeah. which I do in Boise all the time. Wow. Yeah. I don't think it's just people coming in from other places. I, I, I certainly think that's a part of it. Yeah. But I think that this has always been here. Um, I think that people just feel emboldened to behave worse. And I think there are politicians that, that directly make a wedge issue out of queer and especially trans people. And so someone doesn't see a human being, they see a political topic. You know, they see something that, that they think the like that, that I'm some sort of lib agenda trying to buy bean and bacon soup at Albertsons. You know, it's just... put that on a shirt, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if if people are listening to this and they're queer or trans, you're probably preaching to the choir, right? They know mm-hmm. they are living this experience. But what would you say? What do you want straight people in Boise to know? I want people to understand the sheer force of self-possession and will that it takes to be trans in Idaho. Like, I write a newsletter that I every day am conscious of the fact that I might be, for some of these thousands of readers, like the only trans person that they know or the only non-binary person that they know. And um, I don't know. I just want people to understand that, like, I think I know a lot of specifically younger white cis straight people in Boise who are just kind of like trying to vibe and just like trying to live their life and have like queer friends or in like in adjacent circles. And I just really want to be like, you need to pay attention to what's happening here because other people's liberation and like living well is also your liberation and living well. Like a trans person being unsafe in Boise also makes it unsafe for you to live in Boise. Like long-term, uh, like bigger picture stuff. I just am so frustrated that like there are so many limitations put on queer and trans people uh, in Boise and Idaho and just everywhere, obviously. But I just want to remember, remind people that whether they like it or not, they are involved. They are like, they're part of the situation um, and they have choices of where in that situation they want to be. 
such a strong point and a good reminder for cis people that uh, what starts as uh, this trans woman is not woman enough will trickle down to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will trickle down to your hair not being long, you not wearing makeup, you getting accosted. At, like this has happened to friends of mine, cis women, friends of mine in bathrooms where some bigot is like, hey, you're not supposed to be in here because they are not like the model of a feminine beauty, you know, that they don't that they don't adhere to certain uh, feminine norms and, and small shit like they have a short small. haircut, you know, mm-hmm. um, and as that's uh, that's a really good reminder that. Queer liberation is your liberation, too. Uh, I'm specifically yeah. saying that a lot, mostly to uh, to cis women, because it, the whole, you know, they're coming for pants, is my point. You know, they're coming <laughs> for your pants. What do you think, Sophie? I definitely have to agree with what you said. And, and I also like to add that being an ally is more than just, you know, uh, feeling that way and maybe voting that way, although that's extremely important. But uh, don't don't let people be comfortable in in hatred. Like if there are nasty things being said and done around you, um, you have a more privileged position to call them on that. And um, if it comes from, from me or another queer person, they reject it out of hand immediately. But if a cis straight person is like, wow, that's really shitty of you to say, they tend to accept it a bit more. So Mm-hmm. Uh, while I don't like to say, uh, help me strays help, <laughs> but you know, you yeah. are in a position to, to, to do more. And, uh, I, I sure wish you would. Would be great. Yeah. Uh, a hundred percent. If you are straight and you are cis and you are listening to this and you're like, I'm, I want to, I'm a, I'm an ally and I want to be a better ally. My advice to you is get really good at conflict. Yeah. Uh, yes. Don't skirt yeah. from it. Don't hide from it. If you see something, you step in and you you stop it right there because mm-hmm. uh, the trans person, the queer person uh, handling it has handled that a hundred times this week, and you're doing one act of labor that they instead can go buy bean soup. You know, <laughs> like they can go get some goddamn bean soup. If you if you see someone harassing a queer person, step in and. Be the biggest jerk you can possibly be, uh, you know, safely uh, to the person who's doing it and make them f- make them feel the shame that they're trying to make a queer person feel because yeah. that that shouldn't be on. That shouldn't be the queer person's. That shouldn't be on your plate at all. So I really think that um, part of the problem lately has been uh, and I hate to echo myself from earlier, but that people feel more emboldened to be hostile for a multitude of reasons, but mainly through the political climate. Um, I think the most important time to challenge that sort of behavior is um, even just in your with your family and and friends and the things you might see in normal life. Uh, if someone is just saying, behaving, or has like a gross bumper sticker or something, it's it's that's the only way to stop the just pure boldness of this like hostility they have is because they think they're safe to do it. So. Even if you just point at the bumper sticker and go, gross, that's that's helping. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely yeah. helping. And even, you know, your, your friends and family who are allies, who are, you know, they're not bigots, but maybe they're older. Maybe some of this terminology is new. I have a family member who is the world's biggest fan of of you, Blake, of the newsletter, <laughs> adores you and often misgenders you just because yeah. they're, you know, they're a little older. They're in their uh, 70, late 70s and often misgenders you. And every time I just say they, yeah, they and yeah. uh, and 
they're always like a little like, oh, and they're a little confused by it each time, but each time they will correct. Yeah. And just just if so, with someone like that, a gentle, sweet reminder of why that's important, why misgendering someone is painful, you know, can can be really helpful. Yeah. And I think that people are so scared of being wrong. But like, I think it's good to remember we live in the age of the Internet and you have frankly no excuse to not know this stuff Mm -hmm. you might not get it right every time but the queer and trans people around you will remember when you try and when you don't uh like we're we don't we don't have a book of it but uh we keep it mentally and we'll we'll pay attention to like how you react to situations and whether you're trying or not yeah well um is Boise safe for queer people I am gonna say no I think it is no longer uh, safe for queer people. What do you think? I, I mean, if it's if it's unsafe for some queer and trans people, then it's not safe for queer and trans people. I love that, Blake. I love that. Thank you for saying mm-hmm. that. When you had asked me to be on and, and told me what the topic was, um, I, I had thought about it for a couple of days. And my first thought was, is Boise safe for queer people? And I, and I kind of thought, well, maybe for some. Mm-hmm. And then I had the same thought where I was like, actually, we have to be together. If it's not safe for all of us, then it's not safe for any of us. Uh, yeah. You know, our strength is is as a group. So no, yeah, my answer is Boise's not safe for queer people. It used to be for a minute. Yeah, it was on, it's on, it was on its way. Uh, lots more work to do, though. Um, well, Blake, Sophie, thank you so much. And thank you so much for being so vulnerable and uh, being willing to really like dive deep into this. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Sophie. Thanks for having me. And if you're wanting to check out Pride this year, the festival runs September 8th through 10th at Cecil DeAndres Park and is free for all who attend. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, tell a drag queen. We'll be back tomorrow morning with your weekly news roundup. Bye. Bye.